So um, Halloween a couple years ago, Buddy Ken, who is my son, he came downstairs uh, looking like this. So uh, I used to, my wife won't let me do this anymore, but I, that was like my preaching outfit. It's like every Sunday I wore that. Not by choice. I, it just kind of happened until she was like, hey, could you wear a different shirt maybe when you're preaching? <laughs> so um, they, they say imitation is, is the truest form of flattery, and that's true. So Buddy Kean came down, and um, man, I, I think what you see reflected in that picture is kids in general like want to be like their dads. Everybody is born wanting to emulate someone. Right. And, and even as as like our kids get older and it's not as cool to be like mom and dad, they're still emulating and they're copying someone. And, and even in this culture where where it's like you be your own person and don't let anyone try to tell you who to be. You need to be unique. It's like, hey, you're being unique in the exact same way. So many other people are being unique. Is it really unique? Like that's not necessarily a bad thing. We, we actually are made to emulate people. Um, Good or bad, character is as much caught as it is taught. So you can teach a whole lot about character, but in general, people's character grow as they watch and see other people. So what Paul's going to do, Paul's the guy who wrote this letter to the church at Philippi. What Paul's going to do in our text today is he's going to give us examples to follow. He's going to give us people, uh, he's going to give us people to emulate. He's going to hold up for us examples and say, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. Look at these two guys and how they follow Jesus. That's what it looks like to follow him. Now, quickly, let me, let me do just a recap of how we got to where we are. So maybe if you've missed a couple weeks or it's your first week and you're like, well, we're in the middle of Philippians, am I already too far behind? You're not. Paul writes this letter to a church at Philippi. Philippi was a city in modern day Greece and Paul loves this church. He, the tone of this letter is like a good spiritual dad, right? You just read it and you're like, man, this is what a good dad would say to his kids. He wants them to grow in their knowledge of the gospel and he wants them to love Jesus and he wants them to be unified and he wants them to display humility and he doesn't do any of that through shame. He's not like, hey, what's the matter with you? Do better, try harder. He, he reminds them of Jesus like a good spiritual dad. So last week, we saw that like in light of what Jesus has done in our place, Paul tells us, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. Like follow Jesus because it's actually Jesus who works in and through you to make you into what you already are. And, and lest we think when Paul says, hey, follow Jesus, lest we think like, well, yeah, but Jesus was God, he was perfect, and you're Paul, and you, like, you're way more impressive than I, I am. Paul actually gives us a couple examples. Lest we say, like, yeah, that's Jesus and you're Paul, he, he's going to give us some examples to emulate. All right, so look at this text again. Verse 19 of Philippians, uh, Philippians chapter 2. It says, Paul writing to the church, Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. So Paul, here's what I love that he's doing. In Philippians 2, 1 through 11, he gives us the supreme example of humility, and that's Jesus Christ. 
He says, hey, I want you guys to consider other people as more valuable than yours, or not as more valuable. I want you to consider their interests more highly than your own interests. And he says, I don't want you to just do that because it's a good thing to do. This is actually what Christ has done. He came in the form of a man. He didn't count equality with God as something to be grasped, but he emptied himself and he gave himself for you. And Paul's saying, follow that example of humility. And he's saying, this is what it looks like to do that. So when he holds out to us, Timothy and Epaphroditus, we'll see in a minute, he's giving us examples of humility. So what we see in those first couple verses is that humility seeks Christ's interests above all. Paul specifically says that what's unique about Timothy and how he pursues and follows Jesus is that Christ's interests are above and beyond Timothy's interests, above and beyond anything else. He says, hey, there's other people that they're not like that. But Timothy, man, what is important to Jesus is what is most important to Timothy. Because humility seeks Christ's interests above all. So just a a quick question to consider for you and I this morning. Where are you self-interested over and above Christ's interests? I think it would be helpful to say if we if we just did like a Rolodex of your life or put it up here, this is what your past week has looked like, your calendar the past week, this is what your bank account looks like. We're just to do that. Would somebody look at that and say, man, Christ's interests are above all in their life? And I see it reflected. I don't ask that question out of, out of shame. Again, Paul's holding out Timothy and not saying, why can't you be like your older brother, Timothy? He's saying, hey, Timothy's a good example of this. And we're meant to say, because of what Jesus has done, I want to follow Jesus just like Timothy does as well. Humility seeks Christ's interests above all. Look at how he continues in verse 20. Paul says, speaking of Timothy still, I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. Humility shows genuine care for other people. So it seeks Christ's interests above all, but it also shows genuine care for other people. What was so unique about Timothy is that he genuinely cared for people. You, you know how easy it is, like, and we got to make this about ourselves. You know how easy it is to care for other people but you're only really caring for them for how they'll care for you in return. This never works this way in our marriage, right? Like I, I never am like, if I, uh, if I do the dishes, maybe she'll let me get this thing that I want to get or I, it'll put her in a good mood, whatever it is. Like how often are we, even when we would say, yeah, I'm caring for other people, it's like you can look at it, dissect it a little bit and be like, no, it's your own interest that's motivating you caring for other people. Paul is saying that there are people who are like that. They're self-interested. They seek their own interests, but not Timothy. So when he's saying, follow Jesus, then he gives us examples of humility, saying, hey, Timothy, he genuinely cares for other people. It's not to say that there's no one else who cares for other people. That's not what he's saying. When he says all seek their own interests, he's not saying nobody else cares like Timothy. He, He is saying that Timothy stands as unique. Timothy regularly is driven and motivated by the needs of other people. He genuinely cares for other people. He's the type of person that when you're sharing your story or when you're sharing something that's gone on in your life, he's genuinely listening. You're like, man, I, you're, genu- like you're taking a care about it. He would remember details, right? 
He's the type of person that you shared something about your life and two weeks later, he'd be like, hey, how's your son? How'd the surgery go? How's this going? That's the type of person he is. He's not the type of person who, who listens and is quiet while they listen just so that they can speak. You ever met those type of people? Or maybe, like, I'll be honest, I've been that type of people, right? Where it's like, I don't think I actually heard anything. I was just waiting for a gap in your story so that I could be like, yeah, well, the same exact thing happened to me, you know? D.A. Carson says this of this, these kind of people. He says, be on alert for Christians who really do exemplify this basic Christian attitude, this habit of helpfulness. They are never the sort who strut their way into leadership with inflated estimates of their own importance. They are the kind who cheerfully pick up after other people. They're not offended if no one asks about them. They're too busy asking about other people. Isn't that incredible? They're not the type of person who's like, why doesn't anyone ask me how I'm doing? It's because they're so busy just asking how other people are. They're not offended. Uh, they're, they're the kind who are constantly seeking to do good spiritually, to do good materially, to do good emotionally. They are committed to the well-being of others. Watch them. Watch how they act, how they talk, how they react. Talk with them. Learn their heartbeat. Imitate them. Emulate those who are interested in the well-being of others, not their own. That's what D.A. Carson says about this passage, and that's what Paul's trying to hold out to us as something that's unique about how Timothy follows Jesus. He's holding it out. And, and he's, not, he's not holding it out like, hey, for those of you people who are, uh, who are high on the empathy scale, here's an example of somebody to follow. For those of you who are like, you're low on the empathy scale, you, you get a pass on this. He, he's saying, no, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. So a, a question before we move on is, where are you being invited into more genuine care for others? It's okay for you to be like, man, I... If I'm honest, I don't, I genuinely do think of myself more than others. It's really easy with these type of texts to start thinking about people that you wish were here. And you're like, they need to hear this. My husband, my wife, they skipped this morning. This was not the morning to skip. I want them to be right here, here, and you do that. You think about your own thing more than me. We gotta admit we're all far more self-interested than we'd like to like we'd like to let on. So just ask. Ask the Lord, like, hey, would you show me where I'm not genuinely caring for others? The expectation for Paul to write this is that there would be people who would read it and say, I don't think about others at all. I don't think about others nearly enough. And he's pointing us back to the example of Jesus, not shaming us. Saying, hey, Jesus didn't respond to you that way, so don't respond to others that way. Look how he continues in verse 22. He says, still speaking about Timothy, you know his proven character because he has served with me in the gospel ministry, the good news of Jesus, like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will also come soon. Last thing we can learn from Timothy, humility proves itself over time. Humility isn't this like quick flash in the pan where you're like, I'm going to be really humble right now. It, it proves itself over time. Character takes a really long time to build and it always reveals its true self. 
that should be a bit of a terrifying thing. Because I think like we're, we're pretty good as adaptable human beings. And it's easy for us to fake the funk, for, but, but not for long. I remember my dad telling me one time, like, hey, your character, your true character will always be revealed. And Jesus does that actually because he's kind. It's not to trap you. It's not any of that. It's actually him. To, like, he wants you to see what's in your heart. And often he'll do that if you're not quick to repent yourself. Often he'll do that by exposing it to other people. And what you try to keep hidden and try to just manage on yourself, Jesus will just say, hey, I'm actually not going to give you the option to do that anymore. I'm going to let a whole bunch of people see what's really going on. Now, that is horrible. That's happened to me a few times in my life where it's like, oh, my character that I try to keep hidden, it's now on display for everyone. I don't like this. It may not feel kind in the moment, but it's always kind. If Jesus were to just let you, how unkind would it be to Jesus for there to be darkness in your heart that you've learned how to hide really well and for him to just be like, okay, I'm gonna let you do it. I think that's actually one of the most severe forms of judgment that Jesus often gives is letting us stay in the shadows, letting us continue to hide. Humility proves itself over time. Character always reveals itself. Whatever you got going on, bring it into the light. Bring it into the light. Now, this next section, he starts to talk about Epaphroditus. And I, could, like, I couldn't find a cool thing to call it, like humility. Not that humility proves itself over time. That's not particularly cool. Or, but I couldn't. I, it's just called Epaphroditus and humility. They, you'll see why, okay? Epaphroditus. Listen to, listen to this story. But I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need. Since he has been longing for all of you, here's why, and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him, not only on him, but on all, also on me, so that I wouldn't have sorrow upon sorrow. For this reason, I'm very eager to send him so that you may rejoice again when you see him and I may be less anxious. Okay, lest we miss what's going on with Epaphroditus. I think it's easy to miss. Epaphroditus is actually from the church at Philippi. And when Paul got put in prison in Rome, the church at Philippi, because they love Paul, man. Paul's their spiritual father. They send this guy from the church called Epaphroditus and they say, hey, would you go take this relief to Paul? encourage him, pray for him. They were monetarily supporting Paul. Somewhere along this journey, Epaphroditus gets sick and he gets so sick that he almost dies. This sickness was not like a, it lasted a week or two because if you think about it, Paul's in Rome. Rome is a long way away from Greece if you're walking or going by horse, okay? Scientifically, that's just true, okay? Um, I don't know how long, maybe I should have looked it up. It's a long way. Here's what, the, what it means. Epaphroditus was sick enough that word got back to Philippi for them to know that he was sick. And then word got from Philippi back to Rome for Epaphroditus to know the church at Philippi is really concerned about him. That means he's sick for probably months and months. And Paul says, it, it's not just a little sickness. He almost died. And what's unique about Epaphroditus is Epaphroditus is concerned, but he's not concerned about his own sickness. He's not concerned that he almost died. He's like, oh my gosh, my brothers and sisters in Philippi, they're worried about me. So he starts to feel anxiety about them being worried about him. 
That is an example of putting others' interests before yourself. Like, it, it would be like, like if Epaphroditus were to get a letter from the church at Philippi being, hey, Epaphroditus, your sickness is really hard for us. It's causing anxiety in us. Now, we may be like, I'm the one who's sick. I'm about to die. What do you mean you're worried? Epaphroditus is like, oh, man, I feel anxiety about you feeling anxiety about me almost dying. Right? That's incredible humility. Philippi, they're putting Epaphroditus' needs before their own. He's doing the exact same back to them. Paul's highlighting it all. And it's all driven and rooted by what Christ has done for us. Timothy and Epaphroditus are examples of humility for us to emulate and to follow. We can also learn by what Paul's doing here. So Paul's showing humility as well. Again, remember, he's just talked about the humility of Christ. He's called us to have the same kind of humility. And then he's not left us to just figure out what that is. Like who gets the award for being the most humble? Not the person who thinks of that award. Look at what he does in verse 29 to 30. Philippians 2, 29 to 30. He says, again, about Epaphroditus. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and hold people like him in honor because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. Humility honors and encourages others. Do you notice what Paul's doing? He's putting... He's, he's not just saying, hey, be like Timothy and Epaphroditus. In saying that, he's honoring them. He's honoring the work of Jesus in their life, and he's encouraging them. Can you imagine Paul giving this letter to Epaphroditus and being like, hey, will you take this back to the church at Philippi, have him read it? And he's hearing it read, and he just hears how Paul's talking about him. That's an incredible thing. Paul's encouraging and he's honoring Timothy and Epaphroditus. Here's my hope for us as a, as a new church. I hope that we have a high culture of encouragement and honor. Like I hope that people, I, I hope that there are people who feel a bit uncomfortable by how much we encourage and honor one another. That are a bit like, okay, it's, it's, a, bit, it's a bit much, right? Now that's biblical. That's not just like, oh, of course, in 2021, we're just going to all tell each other how awesome we are. That's biblical. Romans 12.10 says, Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters take the lead in honoring one another. The New Living Translation says, Take delight in honoring one another. The English Standard Version translates that, Outdo one another in showing honor. Paul, again, writing to the church at Rome, says, hey, if you're going to be competitive about something, be competitive about honoring one another, encouraging one another, saying, hey, this is where I see the grace of God in your life. I'm so proud of you for how you're following Jesus this way. Paul actually says, not hold back with that. He says, outdo one another in showing honor. Now, there's a couple of objections that I think come when we say, hey, humility encourages and honors one another. One is you being like, I don't really need encouragement. I'm good to go. It makes me feel weird. I don't like it. I'm not one of those people who needs encouragement. Again, just here's what the Bible says. Hebrews 3, the author of Hebrews says to the church and to you and I, but encourage each other daily while it's still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. Here's the point he's trying to make. He says, encourage everyone. 
Not just like the people who on the Enneagram, it looks like they need encouragement or Myers-Briggs. You're like, oh, their personality type, they need lots of encouragement, lots of words of affirmation. Other people were not as needy for that. He says, everyone, encourage each other every day, as long as it's called today. Here's the point he's making. It's not just that you and I need to be encouraged. He's saying we're not going to make it if we're not encouraged. Some of you husbands need to hear that. Like you need to know that your wife is not going to make it without your encouragement. Some of you wives need to hear that. Your husband's not going to make it without your encouragement. That's what he says. Again, that, that's not like, he just says, encourage one another every day while it's still called today so that you won't be hardened by sin's deception. Sin is lying to you daily and one of the means by which we fight sin's attack on us and on others is by encouraging them, saying, no man, you are a child of God. He set his love on you. He's for you. Here's the ways that I see you following Jesus. It's so easy in general for most people to sit down and tell you all the ways that they're missing it. You're like, how are things going? Well, here's all the things that are terrible in my life. Here's all the things that I wish I could do better. We need each other to see grace in each other's lives. So this is for everyone. And, and it's like he knows that we're going to object to this. Do you know what he says? Encourage one another every day as long as it's called today. That's like him saying, hey, you won't need encouragement whenever whatever day you're living on isn't today. Like it's not referred to as today. That's him in a, like, I think some people don't think there's any kind of sarcasm or snarkiness in the Bible. I like that. It's there. He's like, hey, every day, as long as it's called today, whenever it's not referred to as today, you won't need to encourage one another. Every day. We all need encouragement. I think there's another objection. And that objection is something like this. Maybe you've been encouraged this way. And maybe you've, I've done this. I've given people encouragement in this way. Hey, I don't want to make your head too big. Like, you ruin your encouragement by being like, hey, not to puff up your head. I just want to remind you, you're not awesome. Here's something that's kind of cool, but you're not awesome. Right? <laughs> so like, hey, there's lots of grace. Some of you have done that with me, right? You've been like, hey, not to puff up your head. And I'm like, well, that really encouraging thing you said doesn't feel so encouraging anymore, right? It's okay. There's grace for that. Um, no one you meet today is going to be under threat of being over-encouraged. Everybody's got a hard path they're walking. And we need the encouragement of one another. Most people, again, in general, are really good at being self-critics. They can sit down. Like, I could sit down. When, when I get criticized, um, it's, I'll often be like, oh, man, you actually don't know me at all. I can give you a way better list of reasons for you to be like, eh, I don't think you're that great. Like, I'll give you a way better one. There's something that happens when people give specific encouragement. And they're like, hey, this is the grace of God I see in you. And it takes a lot of vulnerability as a spouse, as a kid to your parents. Like, it's actually okay for you to leave here today and tell your parents, tell your spouse, tell your friend who's with you, hey, I need your encouragement. It's actually true, Hebrews 3. I need your encouragement, man. Sin's lying to me. The enemy's lying to me. I don't feel like I'm going to make it. I don't feel like God loves me. I feel alone. It takes a lot of vulnerability to say that. It takes vulnerability because you're giving somebody a way to really harm you. When you say, hey, I need your encouragement. 
or I don't feel very encouraged right now. There's real harm, and that's been done, like that's been done to me before. I've admitted that to people, and in those moments, they've come in with the blade. It's not easy. Follow the example of humility seen in Timothy and Epaphroditus. Seek to show encouragement and honor like Paul. There's one thing that I think is missing from this text. Um, Not from the text. Whoa. Hold on. You guys should have... Okay, good. I'm glad there's somebody who's like, whoa, we're about to walk. We're about to go into accidental heresy. Quick side note, preacher ever says there's something missing from the text, okay? You can throw the yellow flag on that. You can walk out. There's something missing from the commentaries I read about this, okay? That I think is clearly in the text. The importance of spiritual friendship. Um, Timothy and Epaphroditus were Paul's friends. He really loved them a lot. They're not just co-workers. They're not just co-laborers. They're not just fellow missionaries. They were friends. They had a deep spiritual friendship together. Here's how I know that. Listen, think about, do, do you talk about other people like this? Paul says, I have no one else like Timothy. He says, hey, Timothy, he served with me like a son would with a father. Now, we've lost that a bit because culturally, like culturally during this time, whatever your dad did is what you would do as a son. You would start working with your dad in the fields or, uh, or as a blacksmith or whatever your dad did. As a kid, you would start working with. And Paul's saying, hey, Timothy, he, he worked with me like a, dad, like a son would with his dad. He calls Epaphroditus his brother. He says about Epaphroditus that God had mercy on him. He, God spared Epaphroditus. He didn't die from the sickness, though he was close to death. But not just that. Notice the vulnerability with how Paul talks about his friend. He says, not only on him, but also on me so that I wouldn't have sorrow upon sorrow. That's deep friendship. For Paul to say, it wasn't just merciful on Epaphroditus that God healed him. It was merciful to me because I didn't want to lose my friend. Can you talk about other people that way? Here's why I think this wasn't in the commentaries. We don't do good with friendship. We just don't do well with friendship. Especially if you've taken some hits from friends and you're like, no, I just just need Jesus. Nobody else. I'm not going to let anybody else in. (laughs) Maybe your friends turn their back on you. Like, Paul didn't do life alone. For him to be able to say that about Timothy and Epaphroditus meant that there was real friendship there. Lone rangers are dead rangers. Like the sua sponte lifestyle, it doesn't work. I'm going to just do things of my own accord. Well, no matter what other people think, I'm just going to go do it. I don't need anybody. I can do this on my own. It works until it doesn't work. You need friends. Maybe that's a way you need to ask for encouragement. You need to go to a friend today and just say, I'm, I miss our friendship. Feels like we've drifted a bit. I really miss you a lot. That's a vulnerable thing. Again, like Paul's calling us into humility, but also to vulnerability. Because you tell a friend, like, I miss you, you feel distant. And then you realize, like, oh, I thought we were closer friends than we were. <laughs> like you're distant because you wanted to be distant. <laughs> or like, no, I'm I'm for you, I'm with you. And then they aren't. We're being invited into vulnerability. So so here's a question to consider. Who, who really knows you? 
Who really knows you? Who knows the real you? It's foolish for that to be everyone. It's foolish for you to just be like, I'm going to be totally known by everyone. That's a surefire way to get betrayed by a whole lot of people. It doesn't have to be everyone. That's foolish. Proverbs has a lot to say about trusting fools. Um, it's got to be someone. It's got to be someone. Now, this seems difficult, right? To be honest. Follow Jesus. Be humble like Timothy and like Epaphroditus and Paul. Like, how do we do this? There's a phrase that you'll hear a lot here. You'll see a lot here, hopefully. Jesus changes everything. The humility of Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus is rooted in the humility of Jesus. Jesus had loved these three guys so much that he came from heaven to earth to rescue them. Jesus says that he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. They didn't just muster up this humility. It was produced by the once dead, now risen Jesus Christ. The spiritual friendship of Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus, it's rooted in friendship with Jesus. Your friendships will tank when you expect your friends to be Jesus to you. What I mean by that is like, I have some really deep friends, some ones that I'm grateful for, some ones that if they were sick and God healed them, it would be like, man, God is being gracious to me because I don't want to do life without him. The reason those friendships are so deep is because neither of us expects the other to be Jesus, meaning he's going to let me down. Right? Like one of my best friends in the world is Josh Curry. You've, 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 a lot of you have met him. He's been here preaching. Like, he's going to let me down. He's not always going to be there for me. He's not going to be perfect all the time. And when I release that kind of pressure from him to be Jesus, the depth of our friendship is amazing. You will crush your friends if you expect them to be Jesus. And you're disappointed in them when they're not Jesus. Their friendship was rooted in friendship with Jesus. And so as we pursue humility... As we pursue friendship, we need to remember Jesus Christ. And Jesus was really kind to help us in that. There's a reason that we have this meal every single week. There's a reason that we come to a table with bread and with wine. And we remember Jesus' body broken and his blood shed. And I want, us, I want us this morning to remember this in a unique way. A lot of times when we take communion, we'll come down and you'll tear a piece of bread and get wine or juice depending on your convictions. And then when you're ready, you'll take it. Maybe you'll pray with your family or your missional community. I want us to take it all together this morning. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do in a moment. We're going to stand together and I just want to ask you to come down, take a piece of bread, take wine or juice depending on your conviction, but then go back to your seat. Don't take it. And we're going to take it all together. And the reason we're going to do that is we're going to remember Lone Rangers are dead Rangers. You need the church. You need spiritual friendships. Jesus came for you, yes, but he didn't only come for you. He came to bring you into a family. And so we're going to all together, all at once, celebrate communion. So if you would, stand with me.